So let's jump into this morning's message. We are in the, uh, a series that we're calling The Church. And um, today I want to talk about something that uh, probably not a lot of people like to talk about. So let me just start by asking you some questions. How many of you, when I say the word evangelism, are struck with a spirit of terror and fear and trepidation? One person. I know that all the rest of you are lying. That's all good. Okay, so how many of you, when I say the word evangelism, are offended and you say, you're not going to save me, right? So how many of you, uh, when I say the word evangelism, just think, I'm going to skip church today. I'm just going to quietly walk out and no one will notice, right? Evangelism is this thing that we really don't like to talk about. It comes with all kinds of baggage, and uh, it comes with all sorts of uh, just negative connotations when we talk about this word evangelism. But yet, that's what I want to try to do, and that's what I want to try to tackle today. And so I've brought with me on my table uh, some different forms of evangelism. And the way that we're just going to walk through this today is we're just going to talk about these different forms. And ultimately, what I want you to do is I want you to find the form that's best for you, uh, really try to personalize the message like we talked about last week, and uh, then I'm just going to send you off to go and evangelize the world. Everybody good? Okay, that's what we're going to do, all right? So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the, the first way of evangelism is uh, handing out these gospel tracts. Uh, the one that we'll have available by the thousands in the Welcome Center is called uh, Being a Christian by Mr. John Stott. So uh, if this is you, if you love to, if you're like really into apologetics, and if you just love to, to, to go up to strangers and, and give them little tiny gift books, uh, if that's your gift, then this is for you today. And uh, we have tons of these available in the Welcome Center. We would love for you to do that, all right? Um, anybody, nobody wants to volunteer publicly, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure that all of these will be gone uh, at the end of today, okay? So, in fact, I expect that. So, if this is your gift, just talking to people about Christ, strangers that you don't know, uh, hand out, you know, hand out a little gospel track. That would be awesome. Uh, this one, uh, we're going to have this out on loan. If you'd like to stand on a street corner and, uh, and, and tell people about Jesus, this is another great form of evangelism. Uh, you just push this button, and I'll, I'll do you a favor here. I didn't put any batteries in it because I didn't want to blast you out. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it goes something like this, maybe. I have good news for you. You're a terrible sinner condemned to hell. And so it's really easy. You just practice that in front of the mirror. And then once you have the bullhorn on the street corner, everything will be good. And what you'll find is that lots and lots of people will, will gather around you. They'll, they'll, uh, show you they'll shower you with gifts of, of love and appreciation uh, for letting you know the, the wonderful you know, message that you have shared that they're a terrible sinner condemned to hell. Um, so the, uh, the second one, uh, or the third one, is, is, uh, is, is right here. It's, it's nothing. Uh, because m- for many of you, the, your, your form of evangelism that you really like is just going to be, I'm just going to live my life. And so if that's you and, you, and you're just like, you know, evangelism is not really my gift and everything. I'm just going to live my good little Christian life and, and watch people just come up to me and say, wow, you live such a great life. How, you know, tell me about this. And, and, and then you'll maybe just say, you know, I, I, just look at my life and, and you'll just come to know Jesus and everything will be good. So, so for many of you, your, your form of evangelism will just be nothing, kind of look at my life. And, and that's okay, right? Because there's a, there's a broad scope of, of forms of evangelism. So we would love to do that. Uh, we're also happy to announce today that we 
are reinstituting Sunday school at the traditional Sunday school hour at 9:30. Uh, so every, we're, we're canceling life groups as of today. We're reinstituting Sunday school starting next week. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So everybody come back. And what we're doing, along with our launch of our brand new Sunday school program, uh, is we're starting a Sunday school contest, and we're encouraging you to all invite your friends. Those of you, whoever invites the most friends, will get this mug at the end of our at the end of our promotion, and uh, it is so cool because this mug says it, it's actually from the Wyoming Girl Scout Club volunteer, and it says uh, 1986. What would I be without you? And there's a little picture of a bee, a little honey bee. Okay, so I know that this is like a lot of motivation for you to go out and evangelize your world uh, and bring them to Sunday school starting next week. Okay, it's going to be great. Uh, the, the, the other one is we thought not only are we, we want to reinstitute Sunday school and we know the invitation is going to really fit a lot of your gifts, uh, but we are actually going to hold a crusade. Um, so we're going to hold a crusade and it's not going to be a Billy Graham crusade, but he kind of, you know, is, is the iconic picture of the, of the evangelistic crusade. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at the crusade. Uh, it, it's going to be great. Uh, we're going to hold it right here in our sanctuary. Uh, we're going to pack it out with, you know, we're going to do as many crusades as we need to to get everybody here. And uh, we'll give an evangelistic message at the end of every one. And it's going to be so awesome, all right? So we know we want to give you, those of you, the invitation is really your form of evangelism. We want to give you a couple opportunities uh, between Sunday school and and, uh, the the crusade. And then there's there's, um, uh, the the other one. Some of you got a sneak peek now. Come on. (laughs) The other one is that we just realized that for a lot of you, you know, evangelism really isn't your gift. And, and so you really feel like, you know, when it comes to me, you know, really, really sharing my faith and, and, and really, you know, living out the Great Commission, that's for other Christians that are gifted in that way. And, and so you've decided that your best form of evangelism is this. <laughs> this is really your best form of evangelism. Just leave it up to the pastor. He's a sharp looking guy, isn't he? <laughs> That, that blue, like, almost denim shirt. Come on, people. That's good stuff. Okay, so, um, so uh, I, I don't know. I mean, really short message today. We just want to be able to send you out, and uh, whatever form of evangelism really works best for you, I'm sure that there's one of these forms that we've gone over today uh, that will really, uh, really fire you up. And so um, have a great day. You guys aren't convinced? We're not going to do any of these. Probably, especially not this one. Nothing like those two guys together, huh? Why aren't we going to do any of these? Let me give you some numbers. Uh, research shows that, that while these are very popular forms of evangelism, in the modern world and, and in, the, in the church today, uh, the numbers of of people that are coming to know Christ as a result of these ministries are absolutely shocking. Uh, let, me, let me give them to you. Um, this, is a, this is a poll uh, done by a large research company, a very credible company, uh, that, that polled Christians, who are, people who are already Christians, and how they came to faith. And uh, listen to this. Uh, coming to faith through a special need. That is, there's some sort of crisis in their life, some sort of special need. Someone steps in, offers them the hope of the gospel, and they come to know Jesus. Only 1% to 2% of Christians come, came to know Jesus in that way. Um, just from walking in, 
into a church. And, and really, this would be uh, kind of congruent to, I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to live my life and let people uh, explore Jesus and find out Jesus all on their own, just from the life that I live. Uh, only 2 to 3% of, of people came to know Christ just by walking into the, the doors of a church, hearing the gospel message and responding. Uh, Sunday school or even a life group, whatever the discipleship or or, or you know the discipleship avenue uh, in the church, uh, only four to five percent of all Christians came to Christ through the ministry of a life group or a Sunday school group, and, and these are all great ways. Obviously, if we can get people to come to know Christ in this way, they're great. And and the, the but the misnomer is that uh, if we if we win just even one, it was worth it. And I would want to say that, that when we come to our evangelism and we begin talking about evangelism, yes, it's, it's great that, that one person came to know Jesus, but how much effort and energy and expense was put into that one person? Could we realign our evangelistic efforts together as a community for greater impact rather than doing things that's going to yield a 1% or a 2% people of coming to know Jesus? So Sunday school or life group, only 4 to 5%. Listen to this. An evangelistic crusade, 0.5% of all Christians came to know Jesus at an evangelistic crusade. Half of 1%. And then the ministry of a pastor, it's the pastor's job, is only 5 to 6%. And if you take the lowest number of all of those ranges, you end up with only 10% of all Christians through all of these means that came to know Christ. And so we're not going to put all of our effort and our energy into these methods simply because these methods don't work. So what does work? Right? That was a real downer. What does work? <laughs> Which, by the way, let me give you another statistic that I think will shock you. It takes the, it takes the combined efforts. This is the average in, 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 the, in the modern church in America today, it takes, the, it takes the combined efforts of 80 Christ followers a period of one year to reach one new person for Christ. That means in, the, in a church of 80, and we're, we're more than a church of 80, but in a church of 80, doing all of their ministry for one year, on average, they will reach one new person. Now, I'm happy to say that a couple of weeks ago or two or three weeks ago when we were finishing our Ruth series and we did the message on Kinsman Redeemer and we gave a very explicit call to make a decision for Christ, we had five people that day that made a decision for Christ, either for the first time or rededicated their life. And so we're really excited about what God is doing through the ministry of this church. But we also just can't say, oh, wow, we're already five times better than the average. But rather can we say, how can we really live out the Great Commission? And how can we really be serious about this evangelistic process? Because the reality is, as we talk about the church, this community that God is building, part of being that community is allowing this community to spill over into the lives of other people. 
And so I want to offer it to you. I want to, I want to kind of pull the veil back on traditional evangelism, on the, on the methods and the means that we have, are used to using in the modern church and, and give us something that I feel like is much less intimidating, has much less negative connotation, and really is an overflow of our life with Christ, okay? So I'm not here today to, to, to rid you with guilt. I'm not here today to push you into a corner and say that you have to, to share Christ all the time everywhere, Right? I'm, I'm here today to, to offer us uh, something brand new that I really feel like is biblical. So what does work? Well, I, I, we, we see evidence of this clear throughout Scripture, but, uh, but a couple of great examples are found in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, um, you can turn there. We're going to be in chapter 8 and chapter 11. But in the book of Acts, what we have is the story of the growth of the church, this community that began with Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that, that, God, that Jesus said, that is the rock upon which I'm going to build this global community. It starts in this moment, this specific time in history with Peter's confession, but it moves throughout history of anyone that would confess Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of the living God. And so what we see in Acts is, the, is sort of the, the very first growth of this global community being brought together by Jesus himself, the Spirit of God. This global community begins begins bursting forth in all of the areas of the world and we get to read it right here in our bibles and so let's uh let's look at acts chapter 8 i want to read just a couple of verses here and then a couple of verses in chapter 11 but to give you just a little bit of context both of these happen after stephen is is martyred and stephen is the very first christian martyr the very first person killed for his faith and what we see is that in jerusalem there's a big persecution that breaks out if you proclaim the name of christ if you say this confession that jesus is the messiah the son of the living god then all of a sudden you were at risk of being persecuted for your brand new faith and so right from the very beginning this global community that god is building is finding persecution and so what happens is they scatter all about The persecution happens in Jerusalem. Stephen dies and is martyred for his faith. And so Christians go and they spread out all over the world. And here's what happens. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. It says this. Those who had been scattered because of the persecution, they preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria Samaria, and proclaimed the Messiah there that those who were scattered shared the gospel wherever they went turn over to chapter 11 just a couple pages to the right and i want to read verses 19 through 21 now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when stephen was killed traveled as far as phoenicia and cyprus and antioch spreading the word Only among the Jews. But some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. You can see that the gospel was is 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 being moved not only 
in a, from, physical, from one physical location to lots of different locations, but from one people group to multiple people groups now. It's first to the Jew, and then now it's spreading even to the Gentile. And so they went and told the Greeks as well, telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and churned to the Lord. What we see here is not an evangelistic program. What we see here are not evangelistic crusades. What we see here are not Sunday school promotions or life group promotions. What we see here is that the gospel is so so filling up this global community that God is bringing together that it's spilling over everywhere that they went or wherever they went. And so it's this idea, the the idea that I want to share to you when it comes to evangelism is let's drop that label for a second and, and take out all the negative connotation and say, are we being so filled up by the community that we're a part of, by this church and by the gospel, by Jesus himself, that our lives are spilling over, that our faith is spilling over into the lives of the people that we interact with. Now, some of you, Some of you will understand that, that I said, and the Bible says, everywhere you go. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, wherever they went, not everywhere they went. I think that's an important distinction. Because if we understand if we understand it to be everywhere we go, then all of a sudden we have this pressure that's put on our lives that, it, that if we're in any context and we don't share the gospel, that we have somehow failed. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever been in a context with, with, with people who don't know Christ and another Christian comes up to you and they say, well, did you share the gospel? And you're like, oh, was I supposed to? No, man, it just didn't come up. Right? And so immediately we have this this guilt. If we understand this idea of evangelism to be everywhere we go, then what will happen is is that we have this guilt-ridden life. If we feel like... Well, you know, we live in a broken world. And if we, if we take it upon ourselves that we have to save everybody and we have to share the gospel everywhere we go, chances are we won't share our faith with anybody. If we think it has to be everybody, the way that actually plays out in our life is it won't be anybody. So the Bible doesn't say everywhere you go. The Bible says wherever they went. In other words, wherever you are in your life right now, whatever season you have in your life, wherever you find yourself, there is opportunity to share the gospel. It's not everywhere you have to. It's like wherever you find yourself, allow your life to spill over. Does that make sense? There's an important distinction there. Because I feel, like that the, the, I feel like the way, the mistake that we've made in the modern church is we've told people, everywhere you go, you've got to be sharing your faith. And, and your acts of service, your, your, your acts of justice to address injustice in the world, we say are of no value unless you share the gospel. They're of no value unless someone comes to know Jesus. And I think that produces so much guilt in our life that we end up not not saving anybody. We end up not sharing our faith with anybody because we feel like it has to be everybody. 
And so don't misunderstand me today. Wherever you find yourself, share the word. Not necessarily everywhere. God has placed you wherever you're at right now. Wherever you find yourself, there's opportunity to share the gospel. But don't place on yourself any kind of guilt or any sort of obligation that isn't there. Now, a lot of the times, um, churches will have evangelistic programs. And uh, there's value in, in training people on how to share your faith. There's value in, in doing that. And we hope to do that more aggressively and more intentionally than we do right now as part of our ministry. Um, but evangelism as a program seems so disconnected to me. It seems so forced. And so, so we're not really planning to start any sort of evangelistic program in this church. We're not, uh, we, we may train you and, and help you to know how to talk about your faith, and we may help you to know how to allow your faith to spill over into the lives of other people, but, but you shouldn't expect that we're going to start some evangelistic program uh, because sharing our faith and allowing the gospel to spill over into the lives of other people isn't a program. It's our mission. Every church has a mission. And, and we communicate that and we talk about that in different ways, but every church is given the great commission to go and make disciples and to baptize them. And that's our mission. And the way that we say that and the way that we articulate that is that we want to present Christ as Savior, we want to pursue Him as King, and we want to partner with Him in service. But ultimately what we want to do is is allow this this ministry, we want to so fill you up on Sunday morning that when we gather together as a community, we want to so fill you up that your life spills over into those all around you that wherever God has placed you, your life is spilling over into those other areas. Does that make sense? And so evangelism won't be a program. And it really gets a bad rap because um, if we start an evangelistic program, we have all kinds of barriers to overcome in your guys' life. That's why I asked, and all of you weren't honest, that if, uh, if, if, if evangelism scares you, we only had one person that was honest. But I, but I think, you know, some of you, there, there's a chance that many, some of you will have the, the evangelistic bug, Right? Like, you're the people that you can't help but, but talk about it. And you really do do it everywhere you want. And I think God does gift people for that. But for most of us, we're like, not that way. For most of us, we're trying to, we're trying to ride this line of, do I share my faith yet? Because if I share my faith, they might think I'm crazy. Or it might break the relationship. Right? And uh, you might think that's easier for a pastor to share his faith. It's actually harder because the word pastor comes with all sorts of connotation and baggage in people's lives. I'm getting my hair cut. First question, what do you do for a living? I'm a Mac genius. (laughs) Because the second I say pastor, the whole tone changes. Either for good, oh, I'm a Christian too and I go to so-and-so church. Or like totally shut down because I don't want this pastor to share his faith with me. I don't want to. I don't want to be evangelized right now. So you guys think it's easier for me? It's actually harder. So evangelistic programs. When we when we start talking about that, we're, there's all sorts of barriers that we have to overcome. 
because you guys think, man, I'm, I got to go knock door to door, and that's like way out of my comfort zone. So I guess I'll do it because I know I'm supposed to, but it's way out of my comfort zone. We got to overcome that barrier. We have to overcome the barrier of, of how do you bring up faith in a conversation? We got to overcome the barrier that many of you, when it comes to sharing your faith, are, are scared that the, the, the person you're sharing your faith with will ask a question that you don't know the answer to. And that's the primary barrier with, once we start sort of evangelistic programs. We feel like we have to reach everyone, but likely we'll reach no one. The idea that I want to introduce to you today is that in your life already, on average, there are 8 to 15 people that don't know Jesus. And what I want to challenge you today is, is not one of these programs and it's not even to, to go to your friends with an evangelism explosion or with a bridge illustration. But what I want to encourage you to do today is, first of all, identify those 8 to 15 people that God has placed wherever you are. And then begin to pray for them. And that's it. And then allow your life to spill over. Well, that's too simple. No, it's not. Because from the very beginning of this global community that God is building all around the world called the church, this principle has been what has brought the most believers. What happened to the other 90% of Christians? How did they come to know Christ according to that survey? And multiple surveys that show this over and over again. Through the influence of a friend or a family member. So we could line up any ten, any 10 of you and nine of you will have said it was either my family or my friends that brought me to Jesus, that introduced me to his love and his grace and his mercy. But what has happened in the church, I feel like, is that we've lost that idea and instead we've programmed evangelism. And we've said, you know, don't worry about your friends. We've got, we want you to knock on doors. Don't worry about your friends. We want you to, we want you to grab a bullhorn and find a street or park. Don't worry about your friends. We want to, we want to just get to have a crusade. And you think, man, Billy Graham had a huge influence and he did. How did people get to the crusade? Through the invitation of a friend. I mean, there's more percentage of people that came to know Christ through an evangelistic crusade that Billy Graham and others have put on, but it was someone that brought them there. Nine out of ten of you have come to know Jesus through the influence of a friend. There's this Greek word called oikos, and uh, it literally means extended household. And in, in Greek culture, uh, this, this idea of oikos is, is all over. Uh, and we see it again and again and again in the Gospels and in Scripture. Have you ever been reading the Gospels? Uh, Jesus performs a miracle. This person comes to faith. And then the next verse is, and their whole house was saved as well. Remember that? It, it happens over and over again in the Gospels. And, and what that is, is that's the idea of oikos. In Greek culture, this, this oikos, this extended household, could be your family, those who are living in your home, but it could also be your friends. And so the idea here is that God has already placed in your life, wherever you're at, 8 to 15 people who don't know him. We just need to identify them and allow our life to spill over.
That's a lot less intimidating, isn't it? That carries a lot less baggage than if I were to come up here and actually mean what I said this morning. We're going to have tracks available, and I just want you to drop them every... I want you to litter the streets with, with gospel tracks. And some of you are like, I don't know about that. Right? It's the identifying them, praying for them. The reason I use this, this word picture of spilling over is because sometimes we build relationships for the explicit purpose of, of them coming to know Jesus. And once they do, we drop them. That's not spilling over. And that's not genuine love. That means that you targeted that person, that they became an evangelistic project for you, and once they said the prayer, you went on to the next target. The 8 to 15 people that I'm talking about are already in your life. They already, you already know them. They already know you. There's already a relationship of trust there. And you share with them when opportunities come about out of love for them and for the gospel. Because what happens is, you know, last week we talked about how to come to church. We come to church to remember, to celebrate, and respond. And my hope is, is that as you come and you do those three things, you remember what God has done for you, you celebrate it as it, as it uh, bursts forth into a celebration, and then you respond to God. That's our reverence to God, is responding to Him and what He's calling us to do. My, as, as you do that, and as that spills over in your life, what it does is it builds this global community. Jesus says He will build it. But here's the interesting thing. He uses us. That's something I would have never done had I been Jesus. I'd have been like, I can't trust them to do it. And so I'm just going to go do it on my own. And he does that. There are some people, research shows 2 to 3% that just show up. How'd you get here? No idea. Lord just brought me here. Right? And we get some people coming into our church that we're like, you know, how'd you, how'd you find our church? I was, my car was driving down LeMay and it churned in your parking lot by itself. You know, I mean, not weird stories like that, but I mean, you know, you know what I mean, right? So we, we, what we want to do is just help empower you and allow your life to spill over in the lives of these people. So it's not a complicated message. It really isn't. But it's a powerful one. And one that I feel like will yield great fruit in the life of our church. And one that will allow God to use you in ways that you never thought possible. Because when you think about the people that are already in your life, and the opportunity that you have to allow your life to spill over, and allow your faith to spill over, that they might have the hope that you have, that they might experience the grace of God that you have. Sometimes we have this grand picture of we have to reach everyone. We've got to reach the world for Christ. That's true. We want to. God wants to reach everyone. But the world is reached one person at a time. And the world is reached 
by God using you and I and the people that are all around us wherever we're at. Some of us have to be more intentional than others. I have to be more intentional than you guys. My day is spent studying to prepare for you, meeting with ministry leaders, addressing needs and pastoral care needs of those who are in our community. I have to be really intentional about getting outside of the church bubble. But some of you, just by virtue of where you work or where you go to school, you're like, I can't, I can't think of only 15. I've got 150. But the trouble is, we say, either way, oh, I've got 150 people. How am I ever going to reach all of them? Don't reach all of them. Just allow your life to spill over to one of them. And then they allow their life to spill over to another one. Or narrow that 150 field down of who are my closest friends. And how can I allow my genuine love for them as people and my genuine love for God to spill over? Because some of us, what some of us do is we're like, we're, we're really here and we're all about the relational evangelism, but, but we never share our faith for fear that they will feel like they're an evangelistic project, right? And so some of us are so fearful of that that we actually never get there. I'm one of them. Can I admit that to you right up front? The friends that Amy and I have, we oftentimes will wait too long to allow our faith and, and the gospel to come up. For fear of what they might think. For fear that they just feel like I'm doing my job. So some of you are so far on this other line that you just never share. And so I I really feel like that biblically what we're given is not a program. And it's not so easily packaged as a set of questions and then the answers that that the people would give back. What we see over and over and over in Scripture is that God builds this global community through the extended household, through the oikos, through each person having 8 to 15 of people that they can just allow their genuine love for them, their genuine love for God to spill over into their life. That's what we see here. And these other avenues are great, but I tend to think that these other avenues allow us to wash our hands and say it's not my responsibility. My hope today is to encourage you not to make you feel guilty. And I hope that I've done that. I want to respond in this way. I gave you two sheets as you were coming in. Uh, One of them was your bulletin. I hope that you'll memorize that, hang it on your fridge, frame it so you can know what's going on in the life of the church. The other one was the spilling over invitation card. Now, we've said that on average, there's 8 to 15 people in your life already. For those of you that are way extroverted, uh, there may be more than 15. For those of you that are way introverted, there be maybe a little less than 8. We're letting everybody off the hook, and we're asking for five. Five people. Here's what I want you to do with these five people. This, is, this, by, way, this by the way, is how we show reverence to God as we respond to him and his word. This is what I want you to do with that card. If you don't have one, I have some up front, and I want, I want to make sure that everybody gets one. I want you to first work on identifying five people that are already in your oikos. Then you have two commitments after you've identified them. 
Number one, actively pray for them. Each day. It doesn't have to be long, but every day just say a prayer for them. Whatever, if you can pray specifically for things that are going on in their life, great. If you can just pray generally that you, God would uh, give you opportunities to share your faith, that God would reveal himself to them, whatever, however you want to pray for them, we just ask that you make a commitment to pray for them. And then the second thing is that you commit to invite them to church. Listen to these. Listen, I know there's lots of stats, but I felt like the, the statistics were the best way to really paint a picture of what's going on in the church today. Um, we want you to invite them. That's the second response. Listen to these numbers. 96% of unchurched people say they would come to church if invited. 96%. But how are we really inviting? Only 21% of any church of, of regular churchgoers will invite anyone over the course of a year. 21%. But here's the saddest part. Only 2% of regular churchgoers will invite an unchurched person to church in any given one-year period. That means 2% of us are inviting our unchurched friends. What does that mean? When we do invite, we're inviting people to hop. Churches. Oh, you like your church? My church is cooler. Why don't you come check it out? That's what we're doing to invite. And we've already talked about in this series how damaging church hopping is. But the invitations that we give, statistics show, encourage the hop. And we asked you to stop the hop. (laughs) So... Think of what God could do with a community of people where each one of us has five people, where we're actively praying for them, and we commit to invite. There's no limit to what God could do through this community if we'll take this on and take it seriously. Now, we're a little bit smaller crowd. It's, it's a holiday weekend. The holiday is called spring break. And so it's a little bit smaller crowd today. But even with this crowd, this church could come absolutely unhinged if we took this seriously.